You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's List Live, your home for serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Coming at you the... uh, the day after in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, just 40 miles away from our nation's capital, as uh, protesters slash rioters slash looters went um, a little crazy uh, implementing something they were calling the purge yesterday at 3 p.m. We're going to be talking about uh, about this uh, this issue and this, uh, this symptom of... Uh, of, I guess, a distrust between the urban community and the police force. We've got a, a guest named Shelly Winter who will be calling in at around 2.30 to give us some great insights on this topic and why some of the anger subsists in the black community and, and why they, they act out against their own community in times of strife. Um, at 2.15, we've got uh, Joe Ash Thomas from the Georgia State College Republicans calling in. They have the Herman Kane broadcasting live at their uh, meeting tomorrow afternoon. We're going to be talking about that, as well as some um, some challenges that Republicans have with with the the millennial generation, the people that are uh, I guess eighteen to thirty five, somewhere in that range. It's debatable what exactly a millennial is. It's not a, it's younger than Gen X, younger than Gen Y. I guess the the folks that that uh, have, have had smartphones basically their whole lives and they, they're used to getting information a lot differently than, than those of us who actually know what the Dewey Decimal System was. But, uh, David, on my way here, I got to tell you, I'm, um, I, I live in a busy area of town. North Druid Hills Road literally has two Chick-fil-A's and a bunch of Starbucks on it. And they have them at the busiest intersections. Now, it's kind of hard to say, is it chicken or egg? Did they get busy because these uh, these famous restaurants were there, these popular restaurants? Or did the popular restaurants go there because it was a busy intersection? I don't know what the answer is. But what I do know is when you have a Starbucks at the corner of North Root Hills and Briar Cliff Road, you're putting people who, who spend $5 for a cup of cappuccinos or whatever... And in major traffic, and these are the same people that think they can turn left across eight lanes of traffic at 5 p.m. on a Monday with school in session. So you've got this in their this, BMW, this in their BMWs, no less. I saw some some creative. It was like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride today. I rarely go down North Street Hills because of this. The, this uh, this it, it's it's a mess. I'm surprised there aren't more accidents. I guess people are going so slow that any fender benders are minor in comparison but smart zoning would would say look you got to funnel all these people out and so they can only turn right somewhere instead of trying to turn left across eight lanes of traffic because like i said these are the people that are spending five dollars on a cup of coffee so when you're looking at them not with kind eyes they are glaring back at you like it's your fault that they can't turn left across eight lanes of traffic it's your fault that you're even there impeding them from getting home to watch their well, soap operas with their coffee. Don't you know who they are? Well, I mean, they're, they're I mean, they're the soccer moms their and the yuppies is, and the their hipsters. Their time is more important than yours. You're a nobody, well, and true. they are somebody. And you know, I, that's uh, you know, that's what we have with uh, with our uh, driving rage, road rage. You know, <laughs> and it's and that's where it starts. Is the, the person that decides 
you're only going 40 and I want to do 45 and my time's more valuable than yours, so I'm going to cut in front of you, cut right. you off. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine how, how much more business these places would have if they're actually accessible, right? I mean, the Chick-fil-A at lunch, except, I mean, obviously on Sundays it's not too busy over there, but <laughs> any other day it's a madhouse there. And Starbucks, I, they got, you know, free market capitalism. They well, make a good product. They, they've compelled people to spend $5 on a cup of coffee. I th- you know, <laughs> I tell you what, I've had better coffee than Starbucks. I'm not a Starbucks supporter, uh, particularly after the last thing that they pulled. Oh, the, the hashtag race together. You know what they yeah. need to do next? Hashtag road rage together. Because yeah. that's what they create at their stores. They create road rage. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a big Starbucks fan. I, it, if I'm in a position, as I was in Hawaii, that uh, Starbucks was the only game in town conveniently located <laughs> in our hotel, then obviously... Uh, I will do Starbucks, but uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, generally speaking, I am not a Starbucks fan, I, and I'm not a fan of a person that is a Starbucks fan because I think they're idiots for paying that for a cup of coffee. Well, again, they're they're feeding the bottom line of a of a far left uh, owner at Mister Howard Schultz out in Seattle, and. Um, I, I'm not you even know, sure he's it, in Seattle. He's so left wing. I think he's in the Pacific somewhere. <laughs> Very well, standing there. He could be in Vancouver. He, he seems kind of Canadian to me. But uh, the um, the I think hashtag Road Rage Together that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, we we should try that. We we should say, look, we're, you go to a quick trip, a racetrack, or a Starbucks. And your barista, who probably also has a, a degree in ancient Sumerian poetry and owes tens of thousands in student loans, will write down hashtag road rage together, and you can go out and take pictures and post them on Twitter and Facebook of all the traffic jams that are caused by these, the, these establishments that create a sense of entitlement. When do we start this? I, I mean, I'm ready to do it today. Right. You, you want to go today? There's a quick trip uh, right up here. Right down Church. the road. A piece. Yep, we can go there. That can be our first stop after the show, folks. If you're in Sandy Springs, stop by the quick trip on Northridge. Then you you're sure to, to have a good time. Then you you could go to Racetrack that's out <laughs> on the expressways, and uh, yeah. they would just write the F word you and on the cup for the truck <laughs> I, drivers. I, you know, and, racetracks uh, are kind of – I like racetracks. Uh, racetracks and quick trips are both – I actually like them. They're, you know, no, you can like go in there, stuff. and I mean, I think it's like a dollar for 64 ounces. They would never work in New York City because it's a dollar for like 64 ounces of soda. You know, Mayor de Blasio and, and the rest of the folks up there, May, Nanny Bloomberg, would, would condemn those for creating childhood and adult obesity. But uh, here in Georgia, they work pretty well, I think. I, uh, Speaking of not working, the folks yesterday that were rioting and, and tearing down the CVS, for God's sake, did you do you realize that a CVS is actually a gold mine for looters? And I'm not really being facetious here. In addition to all the drugs that you have there, you also have baby food, which is expensive. You have toiletries, razors. You bought razors lately? It's like yeah. 20 bucks. I mean, I know they Far have this better, dollar yeah. shit. Do you use electric razor? I, I still buy straight razors. I need to join this Dollar Shave Club thing. That thing looks like it could save me money. But anyway, so the CVS has razors, and guess what else it also has? And this is something that a lot of people don't know about, but it has Tide detergent. And I, I'm not sure if you know this, David, but I, people I, stealing. They don't. I use read Tide somewhere. Anymore. Oh no, they actually Tide is now used as currency 
in in uh, in the black market. It can literally be traded for drugs because Tide apparently has this reputation for actually cleaning clothes. There's a whole uh, there's a New York Magazine story about it. I had read this uh, a while back, but for some reason, laundry detergent is is almost as good as cash is, is, is for hard currency. So. Anyway, yesterday is our, our neighborhood, our friendly neighborhood looters were, were burning everything. Even the senior center, they were, pro- they were basically illustrating what I call Keynesian economics or riot down economics. And this is where the looters are basically sharing the wealth of the CVS and the liquor stores and all the places that they stole from yesterday. And it's basically a, a form of a very offensive tax. They're taxing the business owners and the insurance companies and making them, you know, share the wealth. So no. that's, but that's what Keynesian economics is. It, it basically destroys to create. Can you explain why? And and they, it's a this is a fact. They have proven. They even got pictures of people running out in the road, stealing stuff, taking it back to their houses yep. that are in the neighborhoods. Correct. Can you tell me why in the world? You know, I can I can barely imagine somebody rioting and doing this kind of. But in you know, in your own neighborhood, burning down something that is, is the basis of your your whole existence. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I, I it it does not make any sense to most of us. Most of us that that, that think logically don't say, "Oh, we feel wrong by the police. Let's go torch a little Caesars." Or, uh-oh, let's let's burn down the CVS. I mean, at least they looted it first. At least they, they removed the, the valuables before they burned it. But, you know, that, that CVS was basically doing a, a public service by moving into that. You think CVS is going to say, time to rebuild, baby. You, you think they're going to jump? You think anybody will insure a company that, that that wants to relocate there's the same with Ferguson. The Little Caesars there got torched. I, I bet you there's no pizza pizza right now in Ferguson. Just like there will not be a C- of course not. That I, I posed the question yesterday about uh, whether or not these insurance companies are literally going to look at adding riot coverage because a lot of the damage is caused in, during the riots, they couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford it. It could be well. It could cause. Let, let's say. Normally, insurance covers theft, okay? Normally, it'll cover fire damage, both of which basically occur during your average riot. So if if these companies, and I'm sure CVS does have insurance. Some of these mom-and-pop stores, though, they very well may not. They well, may not be able to afford it, and certainly the, the insurance that they have, I'm sure, is of the shady variety and going to say, sorry, your riot coverage just doesn't apply. Not it, in it, that, it, it not that clause. It doesn't go into effect until 45 days after the riot. Yeah. You see? So uh, that's that's kind of the racket there is those those jobs are lost. The, those companies not coming back. It, it, the ones that do have insurance, like the, the police cars, I'm sure, are insured, some of the other things, that's going to cost the police force their money to pay the deductible. So that's taking money out of the community. Even I will give the mayor credit, the mayor of Baltimore credit last night. She was pointing this out uh, about the, the jobs I lost. wouldn't give her credit <laughs> to go through a I knew, I knew that would get you fired up. I mean, after her statement? Oh, about uh, giving them room to destroy. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, you know, again, she walked it back. Uh, because, well, she claimed that she didn't say it the night. The, you the next you, night, you so. misinterpreted the exact words that I said. 
I, you know, I mean, that lady is, is, and with an attitude. I don't know if you saw her, but that well, lady I was, has an I attitude. I was watching CNN, which was the first time I've watched CNN in a long time. But CNN, whenever there's a natural disaster or riots, they, they're Johnny on the spot. You know, now, it, it's funny. MSNBC had something about... Uh, we think like the riots earthquake. might be going on. Yeah, well, like they literally had counter programming last night during the the riots. That's CNN good. actually had the uh, the mayor, except for Al Sharpton, he's gonna be he he's going down there. He's gonna well, straighten them out. We are looking forward. I guess his hunger strike didn't work out too well because no. apparently he has the energy to get up there. Anyway, we want to take our break. No, here. I, I got to throw out something. Okay. I did see one thing that was fantastic on on Fox, and this was a black lady beating the hell out of her kid that was in, did you say this? That was in his black hoodie and you know, yeah, and was, she found him and uh, you know, she she laid down the riot. No, that was awesome. I mean, that, I, I thought that it. was Floyd Mayweather Manny Pacquiao. I thought that was a little preview for that. She she had like three right hooks to him and yeah. he was dragging him by his ear. She's, yeah. I mean, it's going to be an awkward Mother's Day at that house and at the Kardashian house. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to take our first break. We'll be right back with Joe Ash Thomas from the Georgia State College Republicans. See you in a minute. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day, the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's Just Live, the home of serious journalism only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Joining us now from the Georgia State College Republicans and also worked at the Georgia General Assembly a couple years, Mr. Joe Ash Thomas. Joe Ash, how are you today, bud? Hey, pretty good, Greg. How about yourself? Oh, I'm good. We're just uh, musing over the uh, the Baltimore riots, but I'd rather talk about something more cheerful and more upbeat, which is Herman Kane broadcasting live tomorrow uh, at Georgia State. So tell us a little bit about that program, then we'll talk about some of the uh, the other issues that, uh, you know, we had the uh, Libertarian vs. Republican Forum last week and some of the fun stuff as well, but I wanted to give a chance to talk about Herman Kane broadcasting live. should be an awesome time at Georgia State. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, first off, really appreciate you having me over to talk about this event. Uh, we're really pumped about it. Um, it's uh, definitely going to be the largest uh, college Republican event at Georgia State University in a long time, if not ever. And, um, you know, just to tell you a little bit, little bit about it, we're meeting tomorrow at the Court Salon, which is on the first floor of the Student Center at Georgia State University. It's from 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Um, the radio broadcast um, should be around uh, for around two hours with Mr. Kane, mm-hmm. and uh, he'll be introduced by uh, Mr. Michael McNeely, who's uh, the first vice chair for the Georgia Republican Party, also an African American, uh, an African American conservative, a very prominent one, and uh, so it's it's great. I mean, we're we're just looking forward to it, expecting around 150, 200 people at least, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just. Um, just a good opportunity to talk about uh, Republican and conservative values on uh, a very liberal campus. Well, I went to his uh, show when he broadcast at University of Georgia a couple weeks ago. It's a great uh, experience. Obviously, there'll be probably a lot more on the docket this time, considering the uh, incendiary environment we have right now. Georgia State is a very diverse campus, though, and uh, for, by having Herman Kane there, especially with, with your group there, that uh, I guess you're the outgoing chair, technically, if, but I still refer to you as the chair until the uh, That's right. the season's over. Did, are y'all's the last day of school, I think, was yesterday for the semester? Um, no, actually, we're in finals week right now. Oh, we're in finals uh, week. It, awesome. It'll go on until early next week, okay. so... Uh, we're right in the middle of it, but uh, nothing, nothing, nothing really, like having Herman Kane come in to take a little break from finals for you at Georgia State, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's still generated a lot of enthusiasm despite being in finals week. So we're you know we're really pumped about that. Yeah, it's five thirty to eight thirty. They're not going to be selling booze or anything like that. So it's. Uh... <laughs> Well, I, 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 yeah, I, well, hopefully that doesn't keep any of my listeners away. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You never know. Let, let's leave it. Let's leave it uh, open. Let's leave it uh, up for uh, discussion whether or not uh, they'll actually be booze there or not. But anyway, let's uh, let's talk about some of the uh, the issues that uh, me and you have talked about lately, uh, including some of the the things that we broached at the at the uh, Buckhead Young Republican meeting last week, the Libertarian versus Republican debate. Uh, give me your feedback on how you thought that went. Basically, Buckhead Young Republicans hosted a panel. We had uh, Amanda Swafford, the Libertarian candidate for Senate. We had Chuck Martin, who's a re- uh, Republican representative from Alpharetta, North Fulton. Joe Ash was on there from Georgia State. Uh, we had Joe Pettit from the Cobb County Young Republicans. And I am forgetting somebody. Who am I forgetting? Um, Jason Pye. Jason Pye, of course, from FreedomWorks, who I'll be spending time with this weekend in Washington, D.C. I was trying to forget about him because I'll be spending a lot of time with him during the Americans for Prosperity thing this weekend in Washington. But anyway, very diverse uh, panel, a lot of libertarian-leaning folks there that uh, sometimes hopefully vote Republican. What do you think about that panel, and what do you think about the overall debate between Republicans versus Libertarians? You know, I think it was really great. Um, it was really amazing having that, that sort of open dialogue. I mean, that's exactly the open dialogue that the Republican Party needs to be ha- having. And uh, we have been having that on various levels, but um, it's always encouraging to see that, um, you know, especially at a young Republican event uh, where you have so many different perspectives and uh, a wide range of issues. But um, I got a lot of positive feedback from the audience uh, on the whole panel discussion Mm -hmm. um a lot of them came up and told me that 
um, you know, they, they really found it very encouraging uh, to see such debate and discussion um, hosted in a very Republican forum, um, despite, um, you know, stepping on toes and talking about a few controversial issues <laughs> here and there, especially libertarianism in the Republican Party. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the things we shouldn't be shying away from is the controversial issues. Uh, you know, clearly today there's a landmark case in the Supreme Court, which uh, looks like it'll be to, ruled on in June about uh, uh, gay marriage being legalized in all 50 states, currently 37 states, not including Georgia, allow gay marriage. And there's a little bit of a confliction between if you lived in another state and were married and you came to a state like Georgia... Would Georgia have to honor the, uh, the the marriage? It has a lot of tax implications. And I think for the Republican Party to be able to discuss this as a tax issue and a get government out of the way issue is right in our wheelhouse. And I'm sure, um, you know, that's this has been on the radar of a lot of folks that are in the, uh, the 18. To, is millennials, would you say it's 18 to 35-year-old is the general age range for that? That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. Um, although a lot of my peers would probably uh, lower the top range on that. They would lower it. It's eighteen to twenty-five. Do we need to hashtag it? Uh, lower, lower the lower the range, Greg. <laughs> probably, probably. People born after Reagan. That's what a lot of twenty-one-year-olds like myself would say. Okay, okay. So people born after Reagan that automatically know how to use a smartphone, right? Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) That's how we can describe it. But, I mean, I think that's a great issue for the Republicans to be able to to broach and to be able to talk about lucidly as a tax issue. And I think that that's a very important issue for millennials because, basically, that that generation grew up watching shows like Will and Grace and and, uh, Bravo Network and, and things that, you know, the homosexuals were in the mainstream. It wasn't something that uh, was in the closet like for so many of our older generation people. So it's it's easier for millennials to talk about that issue than I think some of our older people. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, even within, you know, millennials in the Republican Party, you might have um, slight disagreements or slightly different approaches. Like um, someone like me, for example, I would personally prefer just getting marriage out of the tax code completely, um, you know, uh, but someone else, uh, for example, one of my very own chapter members, uh, my successor, actually, Ronald Cato, who's mm-hmm. also a gay black Republican, uh, he would probably be of the opinion that we should just go ahead and legalize gay marriage just because uh, it's impractical to wait on, you know, taking marriage out of the tax code completely. So there, there are definitely different approaches, but there's no reason for us not to get along. There's no reason for us not to work together, uh, and there's absolutely no reason for us to uh, turn people away from the party just because they believe something slightly differently um, than I do. Yeah, well, one of the most fascinating quotes that uh, that, that I heard at the uh, at the forum last week at Whitehall Tavern, the Buckhead Young Republican Libertarian versus uh, Republican, was uh, Amanda Swafford saying that the Republican Party isn't nearly as diverse as it thinks it is. And uh, you, you're uh, Indian American um, from. Are you is you are you New Delhi or Mumbai? What's your uh, city of background? Mumbai? Actually, born okay. and raised. Okay, so you're, you're Indian American. It sounds like we're having uh, Ronald Cato, who's definitely. Uh, um, a minority uh, in a couple of, of, of factions had taken over for you at Georgia State. So what uh, what does that say about the Republican Party as a whole? I think Amanda's probably right that out in the rural parts of the state we're not that diverse, but I think inside Atlanta the Republican Party is, is, is actually quite diverse. 
Absolutely. Um, I would agree with that. Um, and, you know, I mean, she does have a point when she says that it's not as diverse out in the rural areas. But if you look at Republican leadership in general, um, you, if you look at state leadership, I'm sure you'll see a wide variety of opinions right there. Uh, you've got everyone on leadership from libertarian leaning to social conservatives to uh, fiscal conservatives. And, uh, I mean, if you look at our congressional delegation, too, uh, you'll, you'll see that you'll have folks like Congressman Tom Price, uh, who's very conservative, but who focuses more on the fiscal side of conservatism. Mm -hmm. And then you, you have someone like Jody Heiss, who's, um, you know, uh, more of a social conservative and uh, has his heart there. Um, right. So so you've got a good balance and you've got good diversity. Um, I, I, would, I would definitely argue that point and say that um, on an on an overall basis, we still have a wide range of uh, diversity, and obviously there will be exceptions like uh, slow groups out there um, in certain parts of the state, uh, local parties who uh, all everyone has the exact same opinion. But that's not the Republican Party in general that I know. Right. Well, you know, and that brings up an, an interesting point that uh, I've talked about with other folks: is diversity of thought can be as important as diversity of, of race or color. And, and you alluded to that a little bit, where you said, well, we may have the fiscal conservatives versus the social conservatives, but they're all under this big tent party. And maybe that is the diversity that we should be focusing on and, and not just saying, oh, well, we've got you know token members of every race, and we should be satisfied with that. Yeah, absolutely. I am a firm uh, proponent of advocating for diversity in uh, ideology, especially because that's something the Democratic Party doesn't really have. No. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at Democratic leadership, uh, if you look at uh, their, their base, uh, they usually have a one-track mindset, one-track vision, uh, which does help them a lot when it comes to general elections. But um, nevertheless, if you look at the Republican side, you've got definitely a wider variety of thought, of uh, expression, of individualism, uh, individualism which uh, you definitely don't see on the Democratic side. And I mean, that's, that, that's just another reason I'm proud to call myself and associate myself uh, with the Republican Party. Well, that's awesome. And I think that that's something that we can look at is, is, is something that the Republican Party certainly does have and that we should own and that we have a huge diversity of thought, which is probably why we have such the circular firing squad when we have eight or nine legitimate presidential candidates up and running. So I think that's something that we do need to be wary of. The Democrats have cleared the deck once again. It looks like it's uh, the Hillary show for now, so assuming her emails and other scandals don't sink her. I know some of them are clamoring for Elizabeth Warren. I would love for them to actually have a couple of, of legitimate candidates on that side of it because we know our side is certainly going to get ugly. And, uh, Joe Ash, I'll give you the final thought. We've got about one minute left. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as that's concerned, uh, you know, it, it's really interesting. I was reading an article the other night and talked about how uh, the Republican Party generally appoints whoever's next in line to be uh, their nominee, and the Democratic Party usually falls in love with their candidate. Uh, that's why you had a Barack Obama in 2008 instead of uh, a Hillary Clinton. But um, if you look at that trend right now, it's actually being reversed with folks like Rubio and Rand Paul and Ted Cruz that the Republican Party is actually falling in love with, who could be a successor um, but, but, you know, or, or a nominee as, as opposed to Hillary Clinton, um, who's 
definitely next in line uh, on the Democratic side. So you're definitely seeing that switch. Um, also, you see a lot of older candidates on the Democratic side as opposed to uh, the younger and more diverse ones on the Republican side. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, both parties actually uh, take completely different positions from what they ran in in 2008 um, when it comes to age, experience, and uh, diversity. Yeah. We certainly have a far more diversity of experience. Uh, we have two Latinos on the ticket. Dr. Ben Carson is African-American physician. So if you want diversity, I would, uh, I would raise you the Republican Party, my friends. Joe Ash, anyway, thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at Georgia State and uh, with, with the Herman Cain live at 5.30 p.m. Georgia State University. You can find the event on Facebook. See you back in a couple minutes on Greg's List with Shelley Winter. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Tracy Pearson with Prissy Tomboy. Listen to the Prissy Tomboy radio show every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time as I interview special guests that will inspire adventure and fitness for females. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's WebRadio.com. I am pleased to uh, to have Shelley Winter join us now from uh, from the Ugly Truths and some other radio and TV shows he's produced. We're going to be talking a little bit about the the situation in Baltimore and what some of the the, the factors are that that, that cause these items to happen. Uh, Shelley, welcome to Greg's List. I know you've been on the show before. Welcome back. How are you? How are you, sir? How are you? Long time no talk to or see. We've uh, got to change that. Well, you know, a change you can believe in is happening right now. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I've, I've been on your show uh, several times, and we've always been able to kind of talk and bridge some of this uh, this racial divide that we have. So last night, obviously, when CNN was pretty much the go-to source to be watching this, I got over on your page a little bit and was watching some of the comments. And uh, I remember your, your basic... Tell the, the our listeners a little bit about you. I know you're from New York. You grew up in kind of an urban area, and, and I think you have some kind of special uh, analysis, uh, the ability to analyze this a little bit different than some of the talking heads on, on CNN. So let's tell the listeners a little bit about your background and, and what your initial thoughts of, of this Baltimore uh, rioting and looting is. Well, um, well, well, originally from New York, raised in a real strict West Indian family, and um you know made my mistakes in life and uh and extremely returned back to my roots and became extremely conservative as i always tell you i'm not necessarily a republican but i'm definitely a conservative um uh you know it's i don't know if you're a big chris rock fan and i hate to you know break my analysis down to what he said as a joke years ago um but it's kind of uh, it kind of explains a lot 
um, years ago, Chris Rock had a bit about O.J. Simpson where he talked about how um, O.J. Simpson, the, the girlfriend and the guy, the new boyfriend, and how you know they were spending O.J.'s money. And his joke basically was he wouldn't do it himself. He didn't condone what O.J. did, but he understood. Um, and I think that kind of sums up my feelings with, with this situation in Baltimore. Um, I, I, I don't condone it. I think once as a victim, quote-unquote victim, you lose the moral high ground, you tend to lose support. And I think when you riot and loot, you lose the moral high ground. Um, and so I don't condone it, but I definitely understand where these young people are coming from. Now, are there thugs that are just trying to get free stuff and taking advantage? Absolutely. Um, the, I think that you know a large number of these uh, of the people, uh, the young people that are rioting, are caught up in you know what is a kind of a gang kind of what not gang in the tr sense that we think of, but crowd kind of uh, mayhem. Um, which happens all the time. But I think there's an anger also in these young people um, that they're just they're just angry and, and they don't know what else to do. Um, they've seen their parents, they've seen their um, ancestors, or for lack of a better word, older people marching in protests and right. yelling no justice, no peace, yet they continue to see it happening. And, um, and, and, and it's the anger is not only at cops per se, it's also the anger at their situation. Um, there's, ang there's anger at the gang situation. There's anger at the losing their friends being shot by other gang members right in front of them in many cases. Um, so there's a lot of anger. Um, do I condone it again? I don't, but I understand it. And, and that's basically what I see happening. Um, now, you grew, up, you, grew up, you grew up in New York, though. So you, I mean, and I'm, I don't know exactly what uh, your socioeconomic background is, but, uh, I mean, it's, I, I would... Oh, we yes. were definitely lower middle class. Okay, so so you can you can identify somewhat somewhat with some of the the poverty, but it sounds like you're from a working class family, so you maybe, absolutely you weren't starving necessarily, but you were around it in in Harlem, right? Is that yes, yes. Okay, so you grew up in in, in Harlem in in a poor area, poor working class black area, and. You know that I, I guess I just am wondering why that they're going to the the extremes now where we're seeing the Fergusons happen. I just I don't remember New York, and, and maybe it's just because I'm not old enough. But I don't I don't remember New York doing things like this. Back, you know, back in the well, Luther King well, era. Well, I was I was nine. Uh, I think I was uh, how old was I? Eleven years old when the 1976 black blackout happened in New York. Okay, and it was a blackout. It wasn't anger or anything like that. It was a blackout. You couldn't see anything. It happened at 9 o'clock at night. I remember Beretta was getting ready to come on. Okay. And, um, <laughs> Beretta. <laughs> the same kind of thing happened. You know what I mean? So yeah. there are people, and, and it was, and this was across the city. This was right. not any particular neighborhood. This was across the city. People, white people, Italian. Oh, yeah, Jews, people will freak everybody out. Everybody was doing yeah, it. Yeah, without power, you're going to, I mean, it's. Not, it, I don't think the literally, there is no color or creed that can deal without power for <laughs> right. an extended period and of time. So, and so that night was crazy. Okay. Uh, but but I, I say that to say you asked the question, have I seen this before? I've seen it before. Um, and, and it's just, I think that when you, and you started off by saying the racial divide, I think that we've got to come to a place where um, we stop trying to understand people mm -hmm. and and see and i guess that's a i guess you have to understand people but i stop in other words in other words 
if you would have called me last week and said, hey, Shelly, I'd like you to come on my show to talk about what you think about a kid being arrested for running from the cops with a switchblade in his pocket and then after being in police custody turning up with his spine 80% severed and his voice box crushed. Mm -hmm. That's a conversation to have because that's the conversation that precipitated the violence. Yep. And, so, and so I think that we as a people, you know, um, I've got to start to understand, you know, what other people are saying and I've got and other people have to start understanding what's going on what precipitated this you know what precipitated uh ferguson it wasn't about mike brown mike brown was just another guy that people can relate to whether he was guilty whether he had hands up all that stuff is all on a periphery that conversation is just all a distraction the real conversation is in america where i believe wholeheartedly in the con constitution does a police officer have a right to shoot me whether I run, if I have no weapon on me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's a case in Ohio where a guy by the name of John Crawford, and I'm mad at the media and I'm also mad at the black community for not focusing on his case rather than Mike Brown's case, uh, which is a totally different conversation. But John Crawford was in a Walmart carrying a toy gun that Walmart sells on his phone, and it's an open carry state. So even if he had a rifle on his back, he had every right in that state to carry it. And the cop shot him in a store to the point where they caused the lady to have a heart attack when she was running out the store. And so I think at a certain point, everyone has to start to say, hey, wait a minute, there's something very wrong with that mm -hmm. in, a, in a country that values a piece of paper that says you have every right to life and liberty. So if you're shopping in the store and you have a toy gun on your shoulder and the cops make a mistake and kill you in an open carry state, there's so much wrong with that, that that's, the point, that's what's precipitating this mm -hmm. violence. And I think that if, when people start to see that, I think they can understand where the violence is coming from. And one of the things I posted on my Facebook page last night was the Boston Tea Party, which we celebrate, was rioting and looting, you know? Yeah. And at that point, it was over taxes. People were tired of paying in exorbitant taxing. So they jumped on someone else's ship, they destroyed someone else's property, and then burnt the ship into the ocean. And so that was the same kind of thing. People were angry, and it happens all the time, but I think the media forces us to start looking at this and saying, oh, look at the black kids stealing. Yeah. And I think they push us into that direction. Well, what, and if not we, saying, what, if we, what if we had the conversation and, and we even we, we, we rewind, rewinded it a little bit more and said, look, this the the liberals have been in control of every ur major urban city for the past fifty years, and and, and is do we? Oh, not, that's a whole nother conversation. Oh, okay. but I mean, that, <laughs> isn't that a bigger? Isn't that a, isn't that the big picture? I mean, granted, that, we, we, that, that is the big picture, and I think that's a uh, a conversation. Um, I can always have that conversation, <laughs> and I think you're absolutely right about it. Um, one of the things that's coming out, we're talking about the politicizing of this, what's going on. Um, I heard Michael Steele on Morning Joe, and I also heard Elijah Cummings on Tom Joyner Morning Show, which is an urban, you know, all-black yep. talk radio station. Yep. Um, both, both people, one were Republican and one staunch liberals and apologists for the Democratic Party, they both pointed to Martin O'Malley's um, get tough on crime uh, 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 efforts when he was governor to say this is what precipitated this. And I'm like, wait a minute, a whole 
HBO series was spun off of this one city and the <laughs> violence and corruption and crime and drug dealing and murders that were going on when this guy became governor. So how do you blame him for cracking down on that? Um, but I agree with you. It, it's All these urban centers are run by liberals, but they're really run by business. Okay. And, 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 and it's same here in Atlanta. You see what's going on in Atlanta. Um, the big business runs these cities, and I don't have a problem with that because I'm a true capitalist, but at the end of the day, their policies are to n- not educate, jail, and just keep keep suppress the uh, mm-hmm. suppress the anger okay okay so and help- every now and then you see this happening okay so help so like you know you pointed out your your post last night which i uh, thought no pun intended was fairly incendiary uh tell what was my post the, the post about the boston tea party and that the young brothers are in good company of samuel you compared the uh the i did i, com- I compared the samuel violence and the looting so i uh so help me understand Help me understand I compare, but, uh, but understand, I compared the violence yeah. and the looting. Yeah, no, that's and I and I and I get that. But help me, help me understand this though. With that, that the first instinct is is to to torch the little Caesars like in Ferguson or or loot the CVS and then burn it, a place that is creating jobs like the CVS and, and providing medicines. Because to a, I'll, a, I'll tell you why. Because anger and and I don't again. Please understand. I want your listeners to understand. I want you as my friend first and foremost understand mm-hmm. i'm not condoning it i just understand it no i understand it i want you to help me understand it understand the the anger anger does is not a a a logical and a um uh, process um anger is just emotion it's pure emotion um the reason why you burn down a little season first of all you don't own it so you don't care about it. it's the same thing that allows someone to take a car and drive by a group of people because he's angry at one and just fire indiscriminately into the group of people it's anger it's 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 a lack of love and it's a it's anger at the whole world at myself and the whole world not shelly but the whole world so there's, there's no thought process that goes into you know you as a rational person and i as a rational person can't say i don't understand how these kids can burn down their own neighborhood. We've been saying that for years when the watch riots happened, the African-American community has always said, well, why do we bind down our own neighborhoods? Well, one, the cops keep us in our own neighborhood. You can't, you can't escape it. You're not going to get to the wharf in Baltimore and burn that down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you're, 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 you're held in to that neighborhood, okay. and there's, that's where the anger is, explodes at. Um, if you saw when they were marching by the uh, stadium a couple days ago and they got into fist fights with the people in the restaurants the cops shut them down off of that area so that's why you're turn you turn on your own in those situations it's unfortunate and it's not right and and like i said the most important thing is you lose the moral high ground um i yeah you lose, an analogy, you, you lose the under, you lose the underdog uh or, or the victim where people can look and see that uh that, that, that Fred Freddie Wade that yeah something happened something and this and the, the the incident in North Charleston where the cop shot a black man who was running away eight times we we now have video evidence of that with the the white people that like to ignore the plight of the black community can even see that they can connect those dots but it, it, I guess but the sympathy runs away pretty damn quickly when we see the the inner city then turn. But here's a case in point, though. Look what happened in South Carolina. Hey, Shelley, hold up. Let me let me take our uh, break here because I want to I want to make sure we got plenty of time to to cover this part. We're going to take our final break here. We're on with Shelley Winter talking about uh, a little bit of race relations, the Baltimore riots. We'll be back in a couple minutes on Greg's list.
This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel. Every day the Israeli Defense Force finds itself on the front line of the war with the militant arm of Islam. Surrounded by enemies from within and without, they fight for the only Jewish state. Military service is mandatory, ladies serving two years and men serving three right out of high school. While young people in other democracies are busy traveling or attending university, Israeli men and women gear up for basic training. In a world of heads of state, politicians, ambassadors, diplomats, and a leftist media, many times our voice at the grassroots level is drowned out. So we started an ongoing project called Hershey's for Heroes. Patriot conservatives from all over the U.S. are sending Hershey's chocolate bars with a note of thanks for defending Israel. Won't you join us by sending a sweet message to the IDF? For information, please see my Facebook page at Michael Gano. Thank you, God bless Patriot Conservatives, and God bless Israel in her struggle for sovereignty and security. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and welcome. Yeah, you know what we need to do is start doing a happy hour here. But uh, at any rate, we're back on uh, Greg's List on AmericasWebRadio.com, really uh, getting into some, some really interesting debate here with uh, Shelley Winter, who's the host of the Ugly Truth Radio and some other uh, uh, media uh, projects that, that uh, I've known Shelley for probably about five years now. It's Time flies, but uh, always, time flies. Re- always respect your opinion on some of these because I think you get a much different perspective on this uh, than the average person sitting at home uh, thinking it's nothing but a bunch of thugs. Although I did hear a city councilman from Baltimore call these people thugs last night, too. So it's interesting and, and, that the use of that word is now spreading amongst uh, everybody, it seems. And, and what's interesting about that, I thought it was I thought it was a poor choice of words. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I heard it, too. Yep. The mayor also used the term lawless thugs. But what's interesting is that had it been a white mayor, and this is where our racial divide, and it's on both sides, mm-hmm. had it been a white mayor that said that, all the blame would have been placed on that mayor. If, if you know, One of the things that I hear a lot of people talking about is that this is not a Ferguson situation. Mm-hmm. Well, how is it not? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. you, had, you had an injured and, and killed uh, young man at the hands of police. How is it not a Ferguson? Well, it's, the reason why these liberals will say that is because it's not all-white town, meaning the mayor, the city council, and so forth. Right. And so that's why they say that. So they, they don't want to push the, the, the race hustling because they can't. But the same thing is happening. Like you said, all these urban areas are controlled and run by African-Americans politically. Um, economically, they're mostly run by chamber of commerces like here in Atlanta, right. which I have no problems with. But it's interesting. Our, our racial divide is really manufactured by the media. Um, you know, you and I are friends. I have many white friends. I'm sure you have black friends. I mean, hell, you know, your wife is a beautiful woman of color. So, you know, this, yep. this, this, this racial divide that people talk about is purely, I believe, media manufactured. Um, and hey, I think you when see, you uh, get down to the nitty gritty and you, you see people on an individual level, which many people do, you know, many whites and blacks work together all day long. Oh, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean and there's no us- fighting. You know, we might debate sports or politics or something, but at the end of the day, everyone goes home. Yeah. 
and comes back to work. The I've next always day. been, co- you know, comfortable to, you know, as long as I'm. It, it, Mark Twain said something great. As long as you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. And, right. And, and that's how I like to be able to have a, a debate. I don't try to to make inflammatory things. I uh, last night CNN Don Lemon was basically trying to to push blame on the mayor for the situation and, and and put it this way, folks. That yes, it was a horrible scene last night in Baltimore, but did anybody die? Not yet. Not, not, th- yet. not, not that and, I know of. So that so I guess what I'm saying is the mayor being a little measured in their response. And they really, they had the white governor who's a Republican. Then they had the black mayor who's a, a female and I'm sure she's a Democrat. Uh, they had them both on there. And Don Lemon is just trying to get them to fight basically saying, whose fault is it here? And ne- neither of them were, were taking the bait for it, taking the race bait, if you will. And uh, I, you know, a lot of people are trying to blame the mayor for her choice of words about giving them room to destroy. I tend to think that that was a poor choice of words. And if she had to take it back, she, she, would I thought that they are handling the situation as best as they could? They admitted that they weren't expecting this to happen. Apparently, they weren't on Twitter during the three p.m. Right. Let's get out and purge. I mean, I right. guess you know. I think it took a lot of people by surprise. But at the end of the day, if we can get through this situation without any of these high school kids being shot by national guardsmen or police, then uh, I'm going to call it a win. Well, let me tell you, what's interesting is I, I, on the other hand, applaud the mayor because I like a politician who's not quick to call in the National Guard and call a curfew. I mean, because you're one step away. If you're not at martial law at that point, you're one step away. <laughs> and I think are, that's what he was now. trying to do, was no. not call in the, 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 uh, call in the troops, so to speak, right. or realistically speaking. And, yes, it got out of hand, and then you called in the troops. But, I mean, I applaud her for trying not to. I mean, that's not something you – we as American citizens don't want to see National Guard walking down our street. Right. And I think that at the end of the day, I would like to see people – understand the anger coming from these young kids is it is it the liberals fault i think by and large when you create a class of victims then they're going to act like victims um and so i do blame them to a large degree but i also think that as conservatives um particularly non-black conservatives um you you have to start and i say you not pejoratively but i say you have to start to understand that when these things happen it's not about whether you know i hear i listen to rush limbaugh every day um <laughs> and and at lunchtime and one of the things that he pushed consistently for about three or four days is, oh, the Ferguson report shows that Mike Brown can have his hands up. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't really the story. You know what I'm saying? The story was how a small town, and it happens all across the country, raises revenue off the backs of poor people, whether they're white or black. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you round up a bunch of poor people, you know, devoid of color, but they are poor. You put them in jail for minimal things like driving without a tag or something and you find them 500 bucks which you know they can't pay and so that's what the report of ferguson really showed me i mean whether the guy had his hands up or not i don't it's really don't care um but the, the point i'm trying to make is that as american citizens who love the constitution we've got to be terribly terribly afraid of a growing police state um particularly a growing police state that is allowed to take American citizen lives without re- without any kind of yeah. consequences to it, and I think that's really the issue here um, that we have to start to focus on. Because if we start to live in that kind of country, I think we're all doomed. Well, and and, and we're we're now at a time when when 
news reports travels so fast. It used to be you'd wait for the newspaper to come out the next day. Now, literally, in fact, today, uh, uh, my Facebook and Twitter feed were lighting up that Iran had taken a U.S. boat hostage and 34 sailors were gone, and it turns out it was a cargo ship for another country. Or Anyway, there's yep. a mix of two completely different reports, and it just depends. Do you watch Fox News or MSNBC? Because that's, that's the news and you're going to be did, getting. Did it- did you did and I'll have to leave because I have to go back to work. But when you read that report, did you start to think in your head cynically that this whole Baltimore thing was some kind of diversion? Because <laughs> to me, if Baltimore is not going on, that's all we're talking about is Iran boarding a an international ship and, and the Pentagon sending a warship out to those waters. Exactly, it's kind of the uh, the, the the diversion, distract, and then destroy. But anyway, thank Absolutely. you, Shelley. I will. God bless to, you, Greg. We well, got to get together. Where are you yep. watching the fight? Well, hey, uh, guess what? I'm going to Washington D.C. Uh, this weekend, assuming there uh, Al Sharpton doesn't bring the riot from Baltimore <laughs> to D.C. Thank God Al's coming. Help is on the way, y'all. But help uh, is on the way. I, God I'm, bless I'm, you, Greg. I'm predicting a, a Floyd uh, Floyd Mayweather with the win. Uh, he never knocks anybody out, so it'll go the distance. He'll go to, do you think if it goes the distance, they steal it from him to make another fight? No, no, no. I don't. No. I think he'll win on See? points pretty easy. But anyway, there's, gonna... there's our racial divide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to argue that one. All right, Shelly Winter, thank Talk you, you later, so much. Greg. All right, buddy. Bye. That was Shelly Winter joining us. Hadn't had him on the show in a while, but a great guy. Love, love chatting with him. What a lucid, uh, smart personality and, and a different perspective growing up in Harlem. Uh, in the 60s and the 70s, and he he can shed a little bit of light on why some of these incidents happen, and um, or at least give us some some insight as to what's going on. I mean, basically the 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 sense of logic is removed. It can it's going to be very hard for me to understand why you torch your own neighborhood, but. In moments of rage or frustration or these these manufactured riots or the, the purge, as it was called, uh, you can see how a mob mentality can take over. And as I pointed out earlier, from a looting perspective, a CVS is a gold mine uh, with the amount of products it has. I mean, you know, not even counting the, all the drugs that are there, the... Uh, the day-to-day products are are actually quite quite valuable. So uh, anyway, it's uh, hopefully this situation will be lo- uh, loosening up a little bit. I uh, I watched CNN last night because they they did have the best coverage on this thing, and it, it made me start really wondering why the other networks don't have a little bit more domestic coverage because they basically just had their normal programming going on while there was something that, uh, you know, a major United States city was moving towards martial law, towards a police state, towards a curfew. They canceled, they canceled baseball, for God's sake. That's how serious this was. No, the protesters were not about, were not mad about the Orioles' new uniforms. No, Ray Lewis was not there. Well, they were protesting something visceral. It does seem like there were people on Twitter specifically trying to, to gin up this, uh, this mob mentality. And uh, I, I used to think that, that social media, Twitter and Facebook, it gave people outlets to kind of vent their rage or their anger without actually physically 
going and ma- and having it manifest in, in violence and in crime and vandalism. But now, looking at how some of these literally a flash mob was ginned up yesterday, and you know the mayor and the the governor of Maryland decided to try to let the people vent a little bit, giving them room to to uh, destroy, as, as the mayor said. I'm sure she wishes she could take that back. But giving them the room to destroy and telling the cops not to react, that almost made this fester even longer. But uh, as the, uh, the governor and the mayor said last night, this is an ongoing situation. There's no need to Monday morning quarterback it right now. There will certainly be a lot of... Uh, attention put on this thing the, the 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 interesting thing is the media can't paint this as a black and a white issue right now because more than 50 percent of the baltimore police force are african-americans or black so they 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 lost that and maybe that's why msnbc isn't so excited about covering this issue maybe that's why they'd rather keep their normally scheduled counter programming to anything intelligent but we wanted to thank you guys for listening today. I'm headed to D.C. this weekend for uh, a conference with Right Online, so hope to make some some great new contacts doing that and add some uh, some really good variety to Greg's list here on AmericasWebRadio.com. Going forward, we'll have replays of the show tonight at 6 p.m. Again, the Georgia State College Republicans tomorrow afternoon, 5:30 p.m. hosting the Herman Cain. For a two-hour radio broadcast, he should be there for about three hours. Really get great program. I saw him at the University of Georgia a couple weeks ago. And uh, if you have time to get down there, take MARTA. Don't try to park down there. It's a, it's a nightmare. But take MARTA. Get off at the Georgia State exit. You'll be able to find the, uh, the venue pretty easily. And uh, looking forward to circling back with you all next week on Greg's List.